Welcome in, everyone, to the first inaugural episode of the Baxter Street Boys. It's been a long time coming. We've been itching for it. Uh, we've had, I've, I've filled up a notebook full of notes. We're ready to roll. Uh, we're excited about it. We, we obviously got started on Twitter yesterday, got the ball rolling, and uh, we're ready to, to get going. Uh, so hope you guys uh, enjoy as much as we're looking forward to it. we got some big plans. Let's just get right into it. There he goes in the corner again, and we jump up. Touchdown! Oh, God, a touchdown in the corner! He just stepped on their face with a hobnail boot and broke their nose. We just crushed their face. Swift's got running room. Swift by the defense! 40, 30, they won't catch him! Go, Swift, into the end zone! Touchdown! The freshman just ran it back to Philadelphia! 15, 10, 5, touchdown, touchdown, touchdown! Dogs win it! We're headed to Atlanta! Near sideline, and it's intercepted! Intercepted, Keely Ringo at the 21, off he goes! 40, 50, 45, 40, 35, 30, near sideline, breaks the tackle, 20, 15, 10, 5, touchdown, 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 Georgia! I know I'm asking a lot, you guys, but hunker it down one more time! That doesn't get old. Seeing Kelly Ringo run down the sideline does not get old. Uh, it's, it's I've watched it a that, few times. Yeah, yeah. You can't. I mean, anytime you're having a bad day, you just throw that thing on. You're feeling way better. Uh, but but let's kind of let's kind of get introduce ourselves and tell us how the podcast got started. Um, obviously, I'm Cole Wilcox. I uh, I pitched at Georgia in 19 and four weeks of 20 before COVID shut down. Uh, lifetime dog. I committed when I was a freshman. It was my only offer. Uh, so that was that's where I was going and. Uh, it was really the only option. So doing that with the Rays now, rehabbing an injury. So I'm in this makeshift studio where I just hung up two shirts. Uh, and hopefully that will be upgraded soon. And then my co-host, Jake Gordon. Jake, you can take it away. Yeah, I'm a law student at the University of Georgia. Um, this actually was uh, not my only offer to go to law school, but there was absolutely no question I was coming to UGA whenever uh, – whenever the time came for it. This has always been uh, my dream school for law school. And uh, of course I help out. So I'm the chief operations officer over at sports talk ATL. I stream on Twitch. I do a lot of different stuff. Yeah. You're like a Swiss army knife. A social media Swiss <laughs> army knife. Uh, yeah. Man, we, uh, it was crazy how this thing got started. Honestly, uh, we were, me and Jake have always, I went on his podcast probably about a year ago now. Yeah. And we've been boys ever since we're from the same area. And uh, we just got to talking like, Dude, we need to start up a Georgia podcast. Like that's it. I have a podcast on on something else, but this like this is what I'd love to talk about. Honestly, college sport, Definitely. especially centered around Georgia. Uh, so we kind of got the ball rolling, and and the day we kind of really got the plans together, Brooks texted me and was like, "Hey, you ever thought about starting a Georgia podcast?" And I was like, "That's nuts." So <laughs> we just kind of got rolling, and, and man, we're we're happy to be here. Uh, we we brought along a talentless producer, uh, Griffin Rudy. One of my best friends growing up. We lived on uh, South Millage Avenue, so we know the ropes. He's a he's a diehard dog. He's actually, let's see, how old are we? Twenty two. So he's one for twenty one in predicting that the dogs will win the Natty. So he, he he has finally hit one. So congrats to that, Griff. Just go ahead and publicly yeah let you there. Yeah, make it uh, two for twenty three next year. <laughs> two for twenty three. <laughs> but yeah, like like we said, we're pumped. We're we're appreciative of Brooks giving us this opportunity. Uh, shout out to Sam Behrman too for the logo. This thing is nasty. Yeah, it is. It is. I, I love the logo. 
that's what me and Jake were talking about. Like, I kind of sent him some pictures and told him to put some stuff together, and we never dreamed that it would look like this. Like, nah. absolutely. I didn't know, like you said, I didn't know what to expect, but this blew me away. And it is, I love it. Like, I literally just pull it up on my phone and check it out every now and then. It's like, <laughs> this thing is sweet. I almost made it my Abby. It was close. <laughs> it's nasty. I love it. Uh, and then as you can see there, uh, we have a Twitter and a TikTok up and running. Uh, we're going to be pumping Georgia material out left and right. Uh, if you saw if you saw today, I, I mimicked Raylan Wilson's hip flip in the uh, training room at the, at the race. So we'll be putting a lot of content on there. Hope you guys follow along. And let's, let's talk football because we've done enough introductions. You'll learn a lot about us leading up to it. But we're going to start where I don't want to spend a whole lot of time on this because I want to talk about football. To me, this is not really football, but it's a big, big news going on, and it's the conference realignment stuff. Uh, and Jake, I know we have a little bit different viewpoints on this, so I'll let you kick it off. Like you kind of, you kind of tweeted something out the other day that kind of set off a chain reaction. So, what it, in your mind, like what, what does this mean in, in the present? USC and UCLA going to the Big Ten, and kind of going forward, your concerns, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I have a habit of doing that, of just tweeting something and setting off a chain of events. But <laughs> anyways, I, um, I, I, I just don't know, man. I, I kind of like the feel of, of college football. You know, every conference brings a little bit of something different. You know, the Pac-12, it's the Pac-12 after dark. You know, you stay up till, yeah. you know, you stay up till 12 in the morning betting on Pac-12 games. The Big Ten, they kind of got that hard nose, you know, like Northwestern at 11 o'clock or something. Uh, hard hard know, nose those- can be translated to bad offense. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, thank you. And, um, you know, the SEC is the SEC, and I think it's it's really coming down to everybody wants to get to the SEC or the Big Ten. Yeah. And my whole thing was, you know, if you really want to do it like that, then just make it like similar to the NFL where you have AFC and NFC and just call it a day mm-hmm. because the whole Power Five, like that's just not going to be a thing anymore. You see yeah. like the Pac-12 scrambling. I think they're trying to add like Colorado. No, they already have Colorado. They're trying to add like a couple guys. The Big 12 is trying to add a couple guys. It's it's just I don't know. It just feels like not the college football that I love. But on the bright side, we can always say Georgia won the last legitimate national championship ever. Before all this happened, <laughs> yeah, if so. it comes down to it, for sure. Yeah, and I guess what a lot of y'all will learn about me and Jake will learn. But I just I I don't ever really look at the worst case scenario. So I'm always kind of like, oh, this might be good. See, here's my thing. I the Pac-12 is irrelevant to me. Like they're they're just. They're out there. And like you said, the Pac-12 after dark is the best part of the conference. Like like betting on Utah plus seven against – well, they're nasty. But if they played plus at 3.30, nobody would watch them. Yeah. Right. That's the – like, I don't know. When's, like, I love the brand of USC. I guess what I'm trying to say. Like, I think it's awesome. The colors, everything about it. You think back Bush. And that's the first year I started watching college football is when that was happening. And the last time I've cared about a USC game is probably when they played Texas in 2005. So, to me, getting that brand in the Big Ten – in the present, like in short sight, I like it a lot. Like I'm picturing USC against Iowa for like a big spot. Like I, that kind of gets my blood going a little bit. And I think I'm all for a big game. But you mentioned the, the two power conferences, and I, I I really hope it doesn't get to that. Like my, my whole thing is I'm hoping the Big 12 can pull some of those teams they're trying to get, like the Oregons and the Washington and stuff like that. I think that would be a fun conference personally. Uh, and then I know an argument that goes into it is regionality. And if the let's say the worst case scenario happens and there is two power conferences, I don't think we're losing much regionality because it's still going to be broken up in the divisions. You know, like you're going to play the people around you. So I don't I don't think we're going to lose regionality to the highest degree. 
one concern I have is I don't want to lose like those middle tier teams. You know, I don't want to lose Oregon State. I don't want to lose Washington State. Like I want I want those teams to continue to provide value to for scholarship purposes and everything, like viewing purposes, all that. Yeah, definitely. And I, 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 oh yeah, uh, Griff, go ahead. Yeah, I mean, I'm kind of indifferent on it at this point. Like, I, I would, I, I always kind of thought this was coming, like with COVID and stuff. Like when Notre Dame joined the ACC, like to play a f- season that like actually mattered instead of playing like two games. Like I was like, well, eventually, I think people are going to join up and see the value in like playing a harder schedule and playing like versus 20 good teams all in the same conference versus like playing against four teams that like you see once every 25 years who stink. Well, one, one good point I heard today, um, it was talking about how you, you think back, like you think about the SEC and think it's just been there this whole time or the big 12. It's been there this whole time. Like in 1997, there was a shared title. Like it's not, it's not like, you know, it ha- change hasn't been happening for years now. Like teams have been bouncing, but it, it is looking like on the horizon that it might turn into bigger change, which you know can be scary. And nobody really likes change. And college football is, is so great. Like we don't feel like it needs to be changed. Uh, and I don't like I, I don't really want to talk about the money because it, it just doesn't matter to viewers. So in 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 terms of viewing, like I just I think we're going to keep regionality no matter what, which is what I really care about. And I just think it's going to create more big games. So we'll see. It'll, it'll, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how, like, the SEC, because the old, like, SEC West, SEC East, I'm pretty sure that's done for. I think they're yeah. going to go to the system where you have your three um, your three rivals that you play every year, the three set rivals, and then it is going to just shuffle like that, which I don't think is a big deal. No. Um, how do you, how do you they, feel about that, in all honesty? I kind of like it from what I've I seen so far. Um, I, I, I believe the three they had for Georgia, I think it was Florida, South Carolina, and Auburn, I believe was the mm-hmm. three. I mean, that's got to suck if you're in Auburn and you. And uh, Auburn's going to get bodied always. Like they have no. You got to you got to toss them like Vanderbilt or somebody yeah. like that. You know, <laughs> just to, just to make it fair, just because they have to play Alabama and Georgia every year. But I do like that. I actually think that's a good improvement, uh, and it allow because I, I want to see Texas Texas A and M every year. I want to see Texas Oklahoma. I want to see Oklahoma Texas A and M every year. Like bringing those rivalries back will be fun. And you know, if if Notre Dame just does join the Big Ten, um, you know, they play USC every year, so that's always been a thing. And so it's not it's not a huge difference. Yeah, and like one thing I don't like about the current system is Georgia has yet to go to College Station. Yeah, they've been in since what 2010? Is that when they joined? Something like that. Like that's a Something long like that. time. That would they be came a here in 2019. Trip. The game right. sucked. I was at yeah, that it was game. Terrible. It was a horrible it was game. Me and Griffin gave away two tickets. I'm not even kidding. We had four <laughs> tickets and we sat there and held them up and just gave them to somebody. Yeah, it was that was a miserable game. But I would love to go to College Station. Like I think, I think with the three teams, you're going to get more. You're going to get more variety of who you play throughout the year. It's not going to be predictable schedules. Like we know going into this year, Georgia's schedule is going to be pretty weak because you're going to play all the East teams. We're pulling, you know, Mississippi State, some of the other lower teams. So I think the lack of predictability would be good in the pods. Yeah, I, I just don't want the SEC to get oversaturated. I don't, I, no. I'm not too crazy on just letting anybody in. I think Texas and Oklahoma, obviously, you know, those logos carry weight. Those are mm-hmm. two blue bloods. Uh, I'm cool with that. But, you know, once – once everybody starts wanting to seat at the table, and I know everybody's in a big rush to to get to one of these big conferences, but you gotta you gotta pump the brakes just a little bit. I'll tell you one thing that you know I could be completely wrong here, but coming up on this next season, like the ACC has sleeping giants. Like I don't think they have to blow it up yet. You know, like like if Miami takes the next step, 
this year, which I think they can. I think that could really help the ACC. If Clemson can get back, that would help the ACC. Florida State, like they have so many big brands. I don't think those guys need the SEC. You know, like this if they is, can. Yeah, spam. this is my first spicy take of the year. It's the first of many. Here we go. I think NC State has a pretty good shot of making the playoffs. No, I don't think that's spicy at all. They have the best defense in the ACC. I, I love Devin Leary, too. Devin Leary is a boss. They have a great defense. And I, like oh, I said, I don't think it's too crazy. I just don't want them to be like my Iowa State last year when I was like, oh, yeah, I think Iowa State actually has a pretty good shot. And then they just fell flat on their faces. <laughs> I was but out. I, <laughs> I do think NC State has a pretty good shot. I actually think NC State, um, I think they're probably a little better than Clemson this year. Uh, in terms of coaching, I don't know how that's going to stack up, but I mean they've they've played some competitive games. They beat Clemson last year, didn't they? Yeah, I believe uh, I watched that one. Yeah. In... Some of those games so. ran together. Every game Clemson played was close, so it's tough. To yeah, tell exactly. I think that was a double OT. Like it was like a double OT. I think I watched it at Blue Sky. I don't remember if I was at Blue Sky and that game was still going on. It's probably you know, <laughs> um, <laughs> but I, I mean Devin Leary is a really good quarterback. They got a great defense, and sometimes that's all you need. Yeah, I uh, I take back what I said about best defense. Clemson is definitely the best defense in the ACC. But North Carolina yeah. is legitimately going to be good. It's funny you mentioned Iowa State. I got a funny story about that. So I was locked up in quarantine in San Diego that year. I just got drafted. I'm in a hotel room and college football starting up again. And, dude, I'm wound up. So I've been reading. And Iowa State played, I think, one of the first games. And so I'm just, like, researching Iowa State. They're talking about Brock Purdy. They're talking about all these guys. And then Louisiana Lafayette rolled in and just blew their doors off. And I was like, you know what? <laughs> Whoever wrote this just cost me like 25 bucks. I've never betting on this team again. <laughs> well, we didn't, I mean, we didn't, I like, I thought ULL was going to be like competitive because I, you know, tracking Georgia Southern where I did undergrad, you know, like I care about, you know, Southern Belt football. I kind of keep up with it a little yeah. bit. And uh, Louisiana Lafayette, man, I was like, I think they're going to be solid. And uh, I didn't think they would be like, what, ranked 20th, whatever, you know. Yeah, you know, shout out to Billy Napier, I guess. I used to really like that guy, but. (laughs) (laughs) Can't now, I was about to say, right before we get into the Georgia offense talk, the Billy Napier, like he, we are, we're all from Northwest Georgia, like the very far corner. And Billy Napier was like our guy. Like he's, he's one of us, you know, his dad is a legend offensive coordinator at Dalton. Uh, He obviously grew up playing, where did he go to Murray County? He went to Murray, yeah. Yeah, Murray. And then, so I would wish him nothing but success if he was anywhere except there. And I was I, praying, dude. I was like, dude, I hope he goes to LSU. I was like, I, I can take him at LSU. I can't take him <laughs> at Florida. <laughs> yeah, so poor guy got put behind the eight ball as soon as he throws on that orange and blue for sure. Yeah, it's unfortunate. <laughs> well, we've talked enough about that. Let's get to the dogs. This is what we've been waiting on. Uh, this is this is going to be an offensive-centered talk, obviously. We talked about that. We sent out a tweet this morning, got a lot of feedback. So we got a lot of bold takes some of y'all put on Twitter. They'll be fun to read off. Uh, I don't think we can start talking about the offense until we talk about Todd Monken to start it. Like, I trust this dude in my life. I really do. I think I think you could throw pretty much any quarterback in his system for a, an extended period of time, and, like, they're going to figure it out. You used to watch – when you watched Bama when Sark was calling plays, I remember thinking, how are they so open? How is How are these guys open every play? And then that's kind of what Monken does. Like, you watch some of these throws – these guys are open always like there's someone always open on every play, which I know is the goal of the offensive coordinator, but to be able to do it at a consistent level, like he does is super impressive to me. Yeah. I I mean, and LSU tried to give him a bag to leave and and he didn't. And I mean, you want to talk about a scary team this year, uh, uh, especially if Tom uh, Todd was over there at LSU, but man, I'm happy we kept him. He is priority. Number one. Um, 
the guy really uh, he really brought Georgia's offense into what felt like the 21st century. I know that's kind of an overstated uh, trope, I guess, but uh, he really felt like the guy that finally gave Georgia an offense where you could look and be like, oh, okay, this this team can get downfield and this team can really rack up some points. Yeah, for sure. Like I, that was kind of the knock on Kirby the whole time was like he was doing everything right, you know, and it was just all about getting that OC high right. Like that was the only it was the next step, and as soon as he got Todd Monken in there, it just felt right. Uh, and that's if you're a quarterback, I don't know why you want to play in a system. And it's kind of like Sark with you look at guys like Tua and Mac Jones. Is anyone really going to say like, oh, these guys are ultra talented? You know, like Sark himself got these guys paid. And when you see guys that can call plays like that, which I think Monken can, like, you know, he can get you paid if you're a quarterback and especially ultra talented quarterback. Like you're going to really make some noise. Yeah. And I think it shouldn't be understated that, you know, Georgia led the SEC in yards per play and they were ninth in the country in points per game. And I think Stetson Bennett maybe was fourth in air yards or maybe third in air yards among all quarterbacks. I've got some. There was. Yeah. You know, that yeah, that was just the whole thing is everybody's like, oh, Georgia, Georgia can't move the ball. Like they're just so conservative on offense. Well, yeah, there's no need to do that whenever you're up 35 to zero in the second quarter. Like when I was at the Arkansas game and I was at the Missouri game, there's no need to go out there and embarrass those guys. Like that's not that's just not how we play ball, really. So I, I don't think it's I think it's way, way, way overstated for the most part that yeah. if Georgia needs to open it up on offense, they absolutely can. You know, they were a touchdown better year over year from 2020 uh, to 2022. Well, yeah. And I saw a stat that we Georgia had more passing yards in the first half than like than Tennessee, Oklahoma. And if, if I'm not wrong, it was Ohio State. Like it's like high volume passing teams are known for it. We did it in the first half. We didn't have to in the second half. We, we were dominating pretty much every team other than Bama and, the, and Clemson by the second half. So it, it was just like you said, it wasn't needed. And I'm looking at the, the chart this year, and I, I've i said going into this year, I think the offense is going to be our strength. Like I really, really do. Like I think it's going to be more relied on. Maybe not our, our strength strength, but it's going to be more relied on than it has been probably since Kirby was there. Definitely like, a, like, like Bama this past year where it was the first time we saw them really just not – Maybe not the first time, but really just not suffocate everybody on defense. And I do think Georgia is going to have a good defense as long as yeah. as long as that coaching staff is there. The defense is going to be fine, um, but it's definitely not going to be the defense you saw last year. Uh, and if it is, hey, I'll be really happy with that because they can definitely win another championship. Yeah, yeah. Um, so you mentioned stat. I guess that's a good place to start. The quarterback room. You know, this last year was the first year we'd went into a season and known who the starter was going to be. Like, and it felt pretty good. Like Fromm's third year, you, you did. But last year where you had a guy you could really rely on, you knew you had the OC with it. everything just felt like a perfect match. Kind of got that same feeling going in this year. Maybe maybe not through the whole fan base. Those guys have got to wake up. Uh, Stet, Stet's the guy. He's going to be the guy. Uh, I wrote down some of these numbers. And tell me if he had five stars by his name. They just, these numbers would not be up for Heisman. Third in the country in yards per attempt. Fourth in efficiency. Sixteenth in total touchdowns. That's not just quarterback. That's everybody. First in power five in yards per completion. First. And 25th in the in the entire country, all players in points responsible for. Like those those are elite numbers. And that's and you know, that's that's talking about a team that had huge leads in games and and yeah. you know really wasn't throwing the ball after the middle of the third quarter. And he didn't start every game. He didn't start Clemson. Yeah. He played a couple quarters in Vanderbilt, a couple quarters in South Carolina. Like he and he got pulled against UAB. He did not start every game. Like that's it's impressive stats. Uh, yeah, P- the PFF quarterback list. I don't know if you guys saw that. It was very bad. 
It's Spencer Rattler ahead of uh, C.J. Stroud, which I am not a Spencer Rattler guy. I'm sure we'll dig into that whenever we talk South Carolina. I I just don't want to hear about a guy who got yanked from the most quarterback-friendly offense in the country and got put on the bench. But, yeah, PFF had Stetson at 35th. Yeah, that's, that's absolutely insane. That The only guy in the country that's won a national championship starter is the rank 35th. Like, come on. Come on. There's something, I, do, I, don't I do care how good your team is. I think there's something to be said too about he's another year older. Um, and that's something that it, a lot of fans really don't understand that extra year. And this year, like you said, preparing as a starter, um, I, he's going to improve. He's going to be a little better this year. So I, I'm yeah, not worried about turned, it. At he just all. turned 27. So he should be in good shape to really take hold of the offense. I swear he was at school when I was in like a, a sophomore in high school. He lives here. I wonder if he ever hears me talking about him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I need to get him on over here. Uh, yeah, I mean, other than that, like, obviously you got – I think the big battle is going to be for second, which I think if I if I know anything, I think it's Beck right now. Uh, obviously he looked great in, in the spring game. and had a, He has a big arm. He's put in the time, man. He's been loyal. He could have transferred out. I think he knows that, like, you know, he's in a good spot, as at least. Like, he, like we talked about Todd Monk and we talked about the guys around him. He's he, he's going to be in a good spot. Then that battle for third between Vandergriff and Stockton to uh, – Two highly touted quarterbacks. Obviously, Vandergriff probably has a leg up being there a year earlier, but it's it's one of the better quarterback rooms we've had in a while. Would you say? Yeah, definitely. And um, I was a little underwhelmed by both of the both of those guys in the spring game, but the spring game is a spring game. You're going right. against you know a really good defense. Um, but Carson Beckman, from what all we've from what we've heard, you know, he's been fantastic in practice, and he looked fantastic in the spring game, which is technically practice. So yeah, uh, I, I would like to see him get a little more burn this year. I mean, that UAB game wasn't great. Um, but I, you know, you get a couple big leads. Um, definitely would say that you know he should get a little more burn, get a little more playing time. And we had this quote from Kirby that he said, "I would easily say this is the best when you take a picture of the whole room, top to bottom. Those four guys are going to be in the meeting that quarterback room fall camp is the most depth we've ever had." And I would probably agree with that because yeah. I think if you really got into a pinch, uh, Vandergriff could win you a game. Um, you know, Stockton could could hold on, win you a game. So that's that's good to have. I think it's really good to have the competition for second. Like that's that's kind of big when the guys know they're probably not going to start, but you have that competition for second where they legitimately think you can win that job, you know. So I think at practice that's going to be a battle, which is good. It's going to give our defense good looks. Everything everything about competition is good, and I don't want to hear like, "Oh, if one transfers, well, that just means they lost the job," you know. Like everybody is always worried about quarterbacks transferring since the beginning of time, and I've never understood it. Like if they transferred, they were not going to play. So why are we worried about them transferring? Never understood it. But quarterback room is set. And this this next group is a group that I've been extremely excited to talk about because I think they are being extremely, extremely underrated by the media. Uh, and that's our running back room. Uh, I know you had some thoughts, uh, Jake, on some of the guys. Yeah, um, I, I think Dijon Edwards might be the best one. <laughs> I know yeah. it's kind of crazy to say. Dude, the way he shifts and the, the cuts he makes, man, they're so crisp. He he looks a lot like Sony Michelle out there, man. I love this kid, and I hope he gets a lot of carries this year. I genuinely think he could be the best one out of this group. Well, I if you think that you're on the Kenny Mack hype train for anybody out there, I've been driving – I've been conducting that thing since he got on campus. I think that he is – I think that he is probably the most NFL ready back that we've had. Um since Swift, in my in my personal opinion, I think if you watch his route running, it's it's NFL type for backs. Um, he's a strong runner. He's fast enough to run outside the tackles. 
I, I love Kenny Mack. I can't wait for him to be the number one. There was multiple times last year I was screaming at our TV to put Kenny Mack in because every time he's in the game, something good happens, it feels like. Uh, so yeah, I can't I, wait I don't, to see him be the featured guy. Yeah, I don't know if the Michigan catch is on here. Um, it is. But dude, the, the balance he has, I think that's my main thing with it. The Missouri catch, this is actually yeah. – I think this is the one I was thinking of. Yeah. The balance, man, the balance this kid has is crazy, and that's so huge for running backs, and it's not talked about it, you know, enough in my opinion. And, yeah, he, you know, he, the patience, you see it right there, you know, just waiting and then makes one cut 15 yards. Like, I, I do really think Kenny McIntosh, I, I, I genuinely think he could have gotten drafted this year. He's going to be amazing this year. Yeah, I, I love the guy. And then, you know, the guy we haven't even talked about is – who came in the most talented. Like if, if I'm not mistaken, he was the number one back in the, what the 19 class. Uh, yeah, I think so. Yeah. Um, he, I mean, if he wasn't up there or if he wasn't, he was up there. Uh, but this guy, like we just haven't seen him healthy, I guess. Like we've seen him a couple of games and he's looked really good when he's played. Um, I remember Brooks talked about going into last year where it, it was kind of like, this guy's going to be our dude going into the year. Uh, the coach is like, if, if you know, everybody else is playing for second. So clearly he's talented enough to be like a real dog. Um, and we had some, some people on Twitter say some, say some very hot takeish things about this running back room. I wanted to read some of them off. I know uh, I want to get the name right. Um, let's see. Dang, I'm missing it. Oh, here we go. Connor Shaw. Connor Shaw, shout out, says, Kenny McIntosh and Kendall Milton will pan out to be the best duo of running backs in the Kirby era so far. Ooh, hey, that is bold, especially <laughs> when you talk about 27 and 1. Um, that is bold. But, hey, I like yeah. the confidence. I will say I think they are both going to have maybe a little bit reversed. We saw it more to, a little more James Cook towards the end of the year, but definitely that Cook and White role. And then yeah. you talk about having – uh, you know, Edwards as your change of pace guy like McIntosh was last year. I think that's going to be more the role they have instead of just, I don't know, man, Michelle Swift and uh, Dude, Michelle Swift yeah, and Joe. I don't know if you're going to be able to beat that. <laughs> man, I do love me some Kenny Mack, though. Uh, yeah. This Here's Austin Williamson. He says, I think our running back rotation of McIntosh and Milton will be better than Zeus and Cook. A little less bold. Uh, but, I mean, James Cook went in the second round. Zamir White went, what, the fifth, sixth? Like third, so, fourth, fifth. Yeah. Yeah, so he – uh Two talented backs, man, and, and I was so happy for Zeus last year. I really was because this is the guy who I feel like a lot of the fan base was on. You know, the, he can't, he didn't have good vision, which I don't, I don't know how you could possibly know that. Uh, stuff like that. There's just, I feel like everybody was on him, and he came in with so much hype, so much talent. He tore his ACL twice. Like, you know how hard that is to come back once, come back twice. Uh, had a great season for us, man. He, he shout out, yeah, shout out to the medical team because. He ran a four-four-one at the combine after two two ACL tears. That that's beyond crazy, honestly. Like I I, I I'm a huge Amir White fan after what he did and what he went through last year because I I've, I feel like he had way too much added pressure on him. I love his fit that offense in Oakland too, though. I mean, yeah. the same way they use Josh Jacobs. Um, I, and they didn't pick up Josh Jacobs' fifth-year option. So I mean, after a year, we could really see them using White just like they were using Jacobs, and he could really be a premier back in the league. Yep, and you know, like. These aren't new guys, you know. Uh, these these guys have 907 rush yards combined from last year alone. So pretty much returning a thousand yard rusher when you combine the all three. Uh, and one one cool thing about Kenny Mack last year is it felt like he started playing more as the year went on. You know, like like when I was going through these highlights and clipping some stuff up, it was like the last four or five games. It was like Kenny Mack, Kenny Mack, Kenny Mack, especially against Michigan and Bama. He played a lot. 
Uh, and he actually had the six most targets or completions on the team, catches, I guess. Uh, he went for 22, 242, and two in the air. So this dude is like one of our best receivers also, which is a huge yeah, I, I, especially Monken's offense. I love backs that can catch the ball out of the backfield. That's why you saw James Cook go in the second round. I always said about Cook, I don't think he'll ever reach that level, but he definitely had a lot of like Alvin Kamara in his game, especially with how well he started running between the tackles uh, last year. Because the yeah. year before that, I think it was a sore spot, and it was something they kept going to and kept going to. Mm-hmm. And then this year, he finally started to hit those holes in the zone. Uh, and then making yeah. those plays out of the backfield, you can't ask for much more, man. You put about 20, no. 25 pounds on him, you'd be a problem in the NFL. Problem. Yeah, that, it's funny you mentioned that because I, I was actually – I've been trying to get everybody on, on the bikini hot train with me. I have a buddy who's a big football guy. He's not a Georgia fan or anything. I sent him Kenny McIntosh's highlights, and he actually did say he's like, he's got a little bit of AK in him. I'm like, I know. <laughs> I know I'm telling you, that body, the body, he, he's got a pretty good cut on him. Like, I don't know. I, I think he, I think he's really going to burst on the scene. I, I Personally, I believe he's the most underrated running back in the entire country. Definitely. Uh, moving on to receivers. Uh, I feel like, you know, this group, this group is also one of the deeper we've had. Uh, I think personally, I think AD Mitchell is that guy. Like, I, I think he is primed to be, you know, one of the better receivers we've had here in, in the last, you know, 10 years, minus George Pickens. Uh, I think he's, I think he's that good. And obviously, you're adding on some other guys. Uh, what are your predictions for some of these guys, Jake? Man, I, 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 like, I like to say it because it sounds so nice, man, but. I do think A.D. Mitchell could go for 1,000 yards, but they just have so many mouths to feed. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, in terms of talent, man, especially, I love this play against Auburn, this little this little whip route right here. Like, no chance. Yeah. That's, no and, chance. And I believe that was Smoke Monday, who was also, I think, a second or third round pick. So Right. And and A.D., correct me if I'm wrong, A.D. 6'3", right? Yeah. He's, he's, he's a lot bigger than he looks um, on the screen. I mean, and you just look at that cut. I mean. Yeah. And he's snapping off routes like that against Auburn, like, that and he's only getting better. Only yeah, getting better. He's a true freshman. Like, yeah, this man, he's a dude, a real dude. Uh, we yeah, had, if he could stay healthy, I wouldn't be shocked if he went for a thousand. Um, he really has that type of potential. Yeah. And and Jonathan Williams says Kyrus Jackson's going to have the best season of his career. Uh, I could see that. I mean, he's been buried on the depth chart a little bit and he was hurt last year. I thought he was primed for a big one last year. So I don't think that's too bold to say. I, I think I can get behind that. Uh, yeah, you mentioned they, a thousand they, yards. What you're gonna they ahead. have AD. At, they have AD at six four one ninety. He's still growing Ooh. too. <laughs> uh, there's there's one thing you mentioned about thousand yards, and because you know everybody wants wants the Bama, you know, two receiver horses that are just going in the first round. You saw how that worked out. But if there is a year that this could happen, I'm not saying that it will. But I went back and looked. Obviously, we hired Brown Brown McClendon, new receivers coach. Uh, I was doing some digging on him when he was at South Carolina in 2016. He, it was really two horses. He used two horses. Um, he has Falcons legend, Brian Edwards, and future Falcon, Debo Samuel. And they pretty much had like – I forget what the percentage was, but it was like close to like 71 72% of their total yards, or receiving yards in that offense. It was like them. It was like them 800, 700, and then the next person was at 200. So it's not like he's not he's not willing to do it. Uh, if he really wanted to, but when you have some of these weapons, like, like AD lad, I think those are the two guys. I think they're primed for probably the most yards. Um, Kiers. And then that second wave is really good too. You got Marcus Rosemey, Jack Saint, who was catching touchdowns as a freshman in our biggest games. 
Don Blaylock, who was also catching touchdowns as a freshman, I think he's kind of the X factor of this offense this year. He's a he's a guy to watch. He's a guy I had written down. If he's a hundred percent, that takes his offense to a whole new level because he's a dude. Especially in the red zone. That catch against Florida. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he was. I was at the LSU game that year when, when obviously no one was beating them, but. Dude, he was running some really good routes. He was open pretty much the whole game. Uh, he was kind of – and he had Stingley on him a little bit. Like, he he was he was dogging. Let's just say that. And then Arian Smith, obviously. Everybody loves Arian Smith. He, he's fast. He can burn. He can take the top off any defense. Would love to see him stay healthy because, man, you see some of these plays here. That that play was awesome. On fourth down, taking the shot. Uh, shout out to Stephen it, for that. But, yeah. As fast as he is, man, he could track the ball really well. That's something I know. Really? Both, I was at both of these games, and I remember seeing these catches, and I'm like, how did – like, how, like he's like a center fielder. Like, how did you get under that? That's one of my favorite ones right there against UAB where he's – there's no one near him. He just straight up mm-hmm. ran by. And broke somebody off. Yeah, he had a field day <laughs> against Missouri too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he did. He did. Yeah, he's he's explosive, man. I, I hope he stays healthy because, like, that's, that's what I'm saying. I – like I understand that it's awesome to see these guys uh, go for a thousand yards and twelve hundred yards and stuff like that. But when you have this many weapons, like it's so tough. We haven't even got. To we haven't even gotten to the tight ends. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, the most talented group in the entire team. Uh, these guys, yeah, those guys are the machines. I guess we can go right into that now because obviously, um, I think it was two four seven sports. They rated Georgia's tight ends the number one most talented group in all of football, not just tight ends, like the entire position groups across football. And I mean, I, I would find it impossible to disagree with that. Can't say, I really can't say I just, dis- I disagree, man. You, you, if you really think, if you really want to get down to it, if they wanted to, if they trotted out Gilbert, Bowers, Delp and Washington, just put them all out wide. There's nobody, there's nobody that can match up with that. No, absolutely. No, no, no one, no one. That's, that's what's crazy. I'll have to see 14 personnel. Like, I'm not sure anyone's ever consistent. I need it though <laughs> in the history of I football. I think 13 is a real possibility. Like, I, I think Definitely. they'll mix in plenty of 13. I think Darnell, Bowers, and Gilbert will absolutely be on the field with each other at some point. I don't think they're all so athletic. I mean, you could just play them, you know, they can run routes like receivers. That's what's really crazy. Yeah. And that's uh, if you don't know what, what that personnel is, obviously watch Brooks and his breakdowns because he'll explain this perfectly to you. But 13 personnel, all that means is one running back, three tight ends. 14, one running back, four tight ends. So, football's a simple game. Uh, that that's uh, I, I don't I don't see 14 happen. I know somebody said we'll run some 14 uh, on Twitter. I I don't see it, but it is possible. I guess. I hope so. But man, shout out Todd Hart- Hartley for putting this group together. The no one, the only guy that's even close to him in recruiting position wise is Brian Hartline with Ohio State because he's pulling every receiver possible yeah, he's right now. Nuts. But Dude, so you you think back at like the top tight ends over the last few years. Like he gets he gets to pick up the litter. Whoever he wants, he gets. Uh the one year he didn't get Eric Gilbert, he just got the second best and then waited on him to transfer in. Like that that's the work this guy's doing right now. Uh I, somebody's like we're going to have to do something, right? We're not going to be able to keep him if he keeps doing this. I know. He's got to slow down. I don't know. Maybe he'll be like a Heartline. <laughs> I don't think Heartline has any interest in leaving. But I, I I know we keep saying this, but I really do think that Gilbert is going to be the X factor on this team because you saw if you watch the spring game, which I assume if you're watching the show, you probably did. Nobody could guard him. Uh, nobody touched him, and he I, I felt like he he felt like he caught 15 passes. Uh, I mean, it was just ridiculous how how on the ball he was. I think he scored twice. 
um, maybe only once, but I mean, that guy was all over the place, all over the field. They were using him in out wide in the slot, uh, in line, beautiful to watch. And I, I do think he's going to be a weapon for them this year. He had three Dude. catches. I don't believe that. <laughs> <laughs> in a fact check. Brooks is to be behind fair. the curtain right now, feeding the stats. Uh, he says he has three catches. You know, to be fair, wrong, I did say it felt. I did say it felt like fifteen. <laughs> yeah. Well, the thing was why he why he looked like he had so many catches is because it is rare to to see someone look like a man amongst other men on the field. That that dude did. That brother looked like he was way bigger than everyone else. The only other time I really remember that, you remember when Notre Dame came in in 19 um, and Cole Komet, he looked like – I've never seen someone look that big and that fast on a football field in my life. I don't know what yeah, it was. Cole I guess it was the gold helmet or whatever. But, <laughs> dude, he was tearing us up and we couldn't bring him down. Guy was unbelievable. The, the Three catches scores, for 49 and two scores. Okay, so I did have the two scores part right. It's probably just because I watched the replay so many times. And it was just yeah, kind of just it was, my it brain was at nice. this point. <laughs> catches are sweet. Yeah, he's, he's a problem, man. Like, I went back and watched some of his LSU film today. He, he's a major issue because that he's freaky athletic. Um, I saw him hit the gritty. It was nice. Like, that's how you know somebody's <laughs> athletic. You try to see me hit the gritty, bro. <laughs> I, was, I mean, I'd, I'd look like I had some problems. But he's got it. And then the guy we're not even talking about is Darnell, who, you know, a lot of people are clamoring, why don't we use him like Bowers? Well, let me tell you something. No one on the planet can be used like Brock Bowers. That guy is a Martian. Like, like we talk about Kyle Pitts. I'm not even sure Kyle Pitts can do some of the stuff that he does. Like, I'm being completely honest. How many jet sweeps have you seen with Kyle Pitts? I think Kyle Pitts' big thing is his wingspan, and and, and Bowers does have a good wingspan. That's probably the edge that he has, and I mean, just like that power forward style. But Bowers, man, he is just for the position. Uh, it's it's hard to find a better athlete, man. Like that's like what Rob, the stuff that Rob Gronkowski used to do. Dude, the um, the, the play against Tech was like mind blowing. Like and he I, left I them, watch he, it, he broke those guys off, and left them. I watch it and I, I I wonder every time how he got by them off. Like four people had an angle on him and he just blew right through it. A tight end. <laughs> and it was it wasn't. I don't even like. I I don't think outrun is the right word either. He dusted those guys. He put like he fifteen <laughs> yards between them. Uh, it's it's ridiculous, yeah, he's man. And he's reliable, soft hands. As you see there, you know, getting a jump ball in the corner of the end zone. It's not just the speed. Like he really has everything, and he's the clear. I think he's the clear cut best player on this offense. Um, oh yeah. I, honest to God, even though he was, you know. A freshman last year. I think if he had, I think if he had declared for the NFL draft, he might have been a first round pick. Yeah, that he's he's that good. He he legitimately is that good. And it was funny because I remember Brooks was talking about some last year, like you know, I might want to temper your expectations. He's a Napa Valley kid, like you know this this football ain't the football that you know Darnell Washington grew up playing. And then against Clemson, that boy was out there just mean mugging dudes. And you're like, okay, this is it, man. I just a little bit tougher than I thought. Um, but. We'll go back to Darnell. Brooks says I'm wrong, but you know, who knows? He might be covering his tracks. It might be the JT Daniels thing again. Might be JT Daniels or hampering everybody's expectations and do went for 400. <laughs> but uh, Darnell is he's an NFL tight end in a different way. Like he's George Kittle. He's not as fast as George Kittle, but like blocking wise, he can block with the best of them. Heck, you might get them. I think I think Washington could be a, he could be a tackle. I think yeah. he could be a tackle. <laughs> like, He's that big and strong, and, and he blocks. You know, he was chipping Will Anderson. He was doing some crazy things that most tight ends can't do. He, uh, 
he is definitely a guy who has bought into that role as a blocker. Obviously, he wants you know he wants to make plays. He's an athlete. He's a competitor like anybody, and, and they're going to give it to him. Like you saw against Bama, they're going to give him those touchdowns, and I think they'll use that more. But he just does. He's just a big nasty. Like he really is. Darnell's Darnell's going to be a lot like Trayvon Walker, and I'm not saying he's going to be the first pick, uh, but his best football is 100 ahead of him. Uh, some NFL team is going to scoop him up second, third round, something, and he, he's going to be one of the best players on their offense. Yeah, it's just he's. He just he's willing to do it, I guess. What I'm saying, like a lot of tight ends, you know, and, and Hartley is a guy who makes the tight ends buy in. Like you watch Bowers block, you watch all these guys. Fitzpatrick got drafted because he blocks, you know. Like that's that's something that's big in the Georgia offense. But to see a guy do it at the level that that Darnell does it is pretty special. So and the guys you're blocking in practice, you're getting you're getting very good reps. I mean, you're blocking the best. You talk about thousand yards. This I think Bowers is thousand yards. I mean, he was. I, I could see it. He was nine something last year, I think. Like he was, yeah. he was over nine hundred. Like I think, I think if there's a guy to do it, it would be him. Just because, like you said, like you can use him so many different ways. Eight eighty two. Uh, he, he's he's a guy you can you can go up the seam, you can reverse, like you can do all kinds of stuff with him. I think he's, I think he's a, uh, a guy to watch for the first thousand yard season since what, te, which is nuts. Yeah. Yeah. That's By the way, uh, before we get off Bowers, what he did to Vanderbilt, like it actually should have been illegal. <laughs> he abused <laughs> Vanderbilt, man. That game was ugly. That that game was the most dominant college football quarter I've ever watched in my life. I bet on that game 15 ways over. I had the first quarter <laughs> spread. I had the second quarter spread. I had the first yeah. half spread. I was like, Kirby's gonna Kirby's gonna make sure those boys don't ever cancel a senior day ever again. It was 35 to nothing at the end of the first quarter. I, couldn't I think the spread it. was 14 and a half. I was like, no, nope, that's easy. It's going to be at least 21. <laughs> the first quarter spread was like 10. So yeah, that may, yeah, that may have been second. Yeah. Second quarter. And I mean, they yeah. just kept, it was over it after was, that. Yeah. That was, that was a complete annihilation. And, and Bowers, Lad tore him up too. Yeah. Lad, that was a big game for, he absolutely. It was white boy summer. DB. <laughs> Lad went up on that one guy and uh and mossed him and uh yeah we throw a jump balls to Lad. <laughs> yeah, and dude, Lad's always been a good jumper because I mean he went to he went to North Murray. He's from our neck of the woods too, man. That kid can jump, but I mean he he took it off the top of that guy's head. Poor guy. Dude, what I will never forget about Lad just going going on this tangent. We were playing him in basketball, uh North Murray in basketball. It was my sophomore year, so he was a freshman, I think. Was he one year younger than us, Jake, or two? Maybe two. I'm not sure. Okay, so I was, I was a junior and he was a freshman. Dude, he came in the game, and I was like, who is this guy? I swear on my life he was 5'2". Maybe. That was generous. Yeah. A generous 5'2", but he was super shifty. Like, no one could really stay in front of him. He just couldn't finish. He was he was 5'2". And then I'm starting to hear his name. Like, you know, Ladd McConkey, we played him in basketball. He's that shifty kid. I'm like, this guy's getting recorded by, or recruited by Georgia. They're like, yeah, he's grown a lot. He's a freak athlete now. I was like, I'll have to see that to believe it. Sure enough, he's he's catching jump balls against Vanderbilt in the corner. They just they just ran him at uh, they just ran him at quarterback in North Murray, and I think he just ran the ball every play. He took him to like the Elite Eight in the, in the state finals, right? Something like that. Yeah, which yeah. is pretty unheard of in our area if you're not Dalton. Yeah, I think um, I, I think he's a candidate to really really have uh, you know I don't know if he's going to be a guy that's going to go to the NFL that soon, but I mean you talk about a guy that's going to you know, wow a lot of people with his 40 and he's yeah. more than speed, man. He's shifty. He can run. He's a good route runner. He runs crisp strong. routes, especially short range. Yeah. And, and, and very strong for his side. Kid's just an athlete at the end of the day and mm -hmm. um, willing blocker. You, you just can't, you can't not love his game. Yeah. Um, and then obviously we talked, we haven't talked about the people up front who, who make all this possible. Brooks will appreciate that. Uh, <laughs> these guys, 
I'll, I've been waiting on people to kind of start talking about them a little bit because you don't hear much about them. And then the two, four, seven ranked them the number one offensive in terms of talent, the number one offensive line, and then seven overall. And I agreed. Like I, I think when you look across this line, like it's it's got the potential to be one of the better ones we've had since probably Pitt, Pittman left. Yeah, and it's funny because at first when I saw that, I was like, man, really? And then I kind of got to start thinking about everybody else and, and who everybody else has lost. And, and you know, George is bringing just about everybody back. Yeah. Um, and it's like, well, yeah, I mean, that's not crazy to think, especially with how well the offense, you know, how, the, how well the offense went last year. I think Broderick Jones could absolutely make himself a top 10 pick. Um next April if he has a good season. I, I he has the size, he has the athleticism, he's got everything you want. Dude, when he came in, like he he was a monster. Like he was just mauling people. It was it kind of reminded me when everybody's asking, where's Ben Cleveland? Where's Ben Cleveland? Then we put Ben Cleveland in and he is just mowing over dudes. Like I feel like he changed that 2017 season for us. Like against our against Auburn and some of those teams where it was just like this guy is stronger than everyone they have. And I feel like Broderick Jones is kind of that guy where it's like it doesn't matter who's blocking Will Anderson, Dallas Turner, any of these guys, Aiden Hutchinson, he, he's going to do well against them. Getting Tate Ratledge back is going to be massive too. A lot, a lot of people have forgotten about Tate. I mean, he played what yep. 20 snaps last year. Yep. Um, is it getting Tate back is going to be massive. Um, I, I'm excited to see what he has, especially at guard. I think he can really be like a top notch guard, um, not just an SEC and all of college football. The Northwest Georgia boys are different. <laughs> you know, Tate Ratledge up there, kind of, kind of near us. Uh, but yeah, you mentioned him. I think there's, there's probably about four guys going at it for guard right now. I think it's, I think it's Trust, Ratledge, uh, Erickson, and Willock. You know, I'm not, I'm not for sure, like left and right, who, who's going to be where. But that, that's a four, that's solid group. Like a lot of run and, and Erickson, and then you got the, the uh, talent with Trust and Willock and Ratledge. So obviously there's some competition there, but. It, it's always nice going into a season knowing who your center is going to be and knowing he's a dude. And we're sending him to 100%. media day. SVP's that guy. Absolutely. And, and, you know, you talk about the talent of this group. Now I'm, I'm talking myself into it more because you look at the tackles and you got Warren McClendon, very technically sound, really showed up uh, in the playoffs too. Um, mm-hmm. Big, big and moment for him. Shout out Warren McClendon. I, I've been a big McClendon fan for a long time because, like I said on Twitter today, he's just one of those – if you don't hear much about an offensive lineman, he's probably doing a heck of a job. Doing a good job. <laughs> and, and Brooks actually gave him the bold prediction, which I've been waiting on. Warren McClendon will receive first-round talk because people finally wake up. I agree. The dude, he's a monster in pass pro. He's he's just he's just sound. Like, he does everything the right way. He's been a starter for – is this third year starting now? He started as a freshman, right? I believe yeah, so. He, yeah, this is – I'm pretty sure this is his third year starting. So, he – uh. He's definitely a guy who's gonna he's gonna anchor down. When you have the tackles and center anchored down, like you know, you can you can compete for those guard spots. Uh and so yeah, it, I mean it's crazy. Like, go ahead. No, I mean you speak to that's the depth. What, I mean, our, our, our Marius Mims or Ernest Green is your third tackle. Uh and right. the other your fourth tackle. A lot of depth. Yeah. Yeah. Like there's there's some really, really ta- there's a lot of talent there. Stacy Sorrell's his first uh first year as a coach for us as offensive line coach. We'll see. We'll see kind of it, it was cool to see like the difference in certain offensive line coaches. You know, you saw Pittman, who was recruiting as the biggest, strongest guys he could get. We are ground and pound. He was perfect for Jim Chaney's offense. Uh, Matt Luke kind of gets the the athletic guys. He's, he's wanting people to pull, wanting people to move around, and, and it works well in mocking. So we'll see what, what Cyril's brings. I'm excited to see it, though, uh, from what from what I've heard and what Brooks has said. Like, he's, he's doing a heck of a job recruiting. So um, there was – you better say we have I, any takes we missed. 
I had a take. Uh, I don't know how bold this is. I'll be honest with you. I don't think it's that bold. I think Stett will be the first three uh, three thousand yard thrower we've had since, I guess Murray. Uh, is that the last three thousand? No, never really that close. I think he had maybe twenty eight one year, but yeah, I think I think Stett will be the first three thousand yard passer we've had. Uh, I just he got close. Like he got twenty eight sixty two last year, and he played like we said. He didn't even play. He didn't start every game. So I think I, I definitely think yeah. I think uh, I think the main thing with that that I worry about, which I do think he'll get it, I'm with you, um, is the competition. I feel like Georgia's schedule not particularly difficult this year, but you do talk about the defense um, not being as strong um, and the offense having to do a little bit more lifting. So I don't think that's crazy. Um, right. But still, you know, you talk about your toughest game might be at South Carolina or Tennessee at home. Um, Oregon, I'm – I'm not moved by Oregon. We'll we'll talk more Oregon when it gets closer to time. Yeah, uh, I do think I do think Dan Landing. I do think Dan Landing is actually building something very nice over there. Uh, but I'm not moved Heck by yeah, him he just pulled the number one quarterback, right? Well, Arch Manning's number one, but I was listening to Pate the other day, and he was saying, I mean, this guy could be the number one. The legit. The I've guy. I've heard a lot of people say this this group of five quarterbacks is the best like one through five that they've seen ever, and I mean that's people that have been doing this for a long time. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I do think Landing's building something ske- uh, special. Right now, they don't move me. Uh, I think 21 and a half. I think Georgia will clear 21 and a half. I think we're actually going to dominate them. Um, but, hey, that <laughs> you know, you got to score some points to do that. You got to score some points to clear 21 and a half. Um, and so I think I think Georgia will have Stetson. Um, I don't. I think it'll be a similar role, but I do think he'll take a step forward, and I do. I think he'll get that 3K, maybe yeah. easily. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like like we said, he wasn't have to do that much last year, and he got twenty eight sixty two. So, in, in an offense where you know, especially at the beginning of the year, where we're starting a whole new linebacker core, we're doing a lot of things that are kind of fairly new. Uh, I think the offense will be required to score a little bit more. I'm not saying they're going to be in shootouts by no means, but I think they'll be required to score a little more before Kirby's willing to call off the dogs. Because it, Definitely. I mean, it still takes him a while to do it. Tennessee, he was not calling them off. We're we're making goal line stands up thirty, you know, so. Who knows? Uh, but I, I'm personally, I'm very excited about this offense. Uh, I have been for a while now. And when I started digging the numbers, like I got, I got really excited because what, one thing we didn't really talk about, which can be good. Uh, we, there's no real freshman that I think is going to get a lot of run, to be honest with you, at any position. Like, do you it see would, any? it would have to be a real surprise? I mean, Oscar Delp. But I mean, yeah. and then he's got three. He's got three monsters in front of monsters. him. Ernest Green could really be the only one. If there's an injury, I would say Ernest Green probably has the best shot. And then well, maybe Branson T. E. Robinson. Te did mention Dylan Bell. He mentioned him as a guy to watch. And when he speaks, yeah. I usually listen because you know he was all over Burton, which I know is a bad word around these parts this time of year. Um, he mentioned um, who else was he on? He's on Rosemi Jack Saint. I'm pretty sure, like guys that he knows ball, like he really knows ball. Ad Mitchell, yeah, yeah Ad Mitchell. So he mentions Dylan Bell. So I mean, that could be one guy to look out for. I think I think there's it, some it, spots that we love. We love to rotate receivers. So it's something that doesn't really get talked about a lot. Is is Georgia was beat to hell last year, man. So many injuries. Any of these guys could have to step up at any time. Right. Yeah, it's good to have depth. Really, really good to have depth. You can't. That's what separates Georgia from a lot of teams, especially the East, uh, is the depth. And, like, that's why it's so weird to see Bama complain about the receivers and stuff. Like, I understand the talent that was there. 
But they've that's why they've been so good for so many years is because they've just been so much deeper than everyone else on the field. I, and that's I what you see with Tennessee right stomach. now. Yeah, just reading the injury report every week, man. I mean, we got like 20, 20 to 25 guys on there, at least like questionable something. And, uh, you know, the Adam Anderson situation, that wasn't an injury. That's another guy. That was probably your best pass rusher. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's just crazy how – it doesn't really get talked about that much, I guess, since they won. But Georgia was ravaged by injuries last year. And then the guy who backed him up led the team in sacks. So yeah, exactly. I'll uh, we'll, we'll save that for another day because I'm 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 big on him this year. I think he's gonna have a good year. But I'm excited man, for defense. I'm glad we got this ball rolling. Um, and as as y'all probably heard throughout the the, uh, the talk, we are diehard Georgia fans. All three of us, uh, we live and breathe it. Like it's. There's not going to be any any neutrality here. Like what what you see is what you get. I've said it on Twitter. I've said it in, in different places. But Brooks does a great job of being neutral and calling the game like you see it, teaching you the game. We're going to come in with the opinions, the hot takes. You know, we're going to be stirring up people on Twitter. Uh, we've got some we got some big plans for some stuff to do on this show that I think will be a lot of fun. Uh, so yeah, it is not just football either. When, whenever we get a little bit more into basketball season, I'm, I'm pretty yep. excited about Mike White. Definitely going to be talking some baseball. Um, but right now, I mean, hey, we're, we're, we're what seven, eight weeks out from football season. It's, it's about time to start getting a little excited, yeah. you know, starting to get that crisp in the air. Hopefully, uh, hopefully soon because it's about 120 degrees here today. Yeah. So, especially down here, bro. It's terrible. Oh, I'm uh, sure. <laughs> uh, that, that was one thing like going in this off season, I, Usually, as soon as the last game's over, it takes me about a month, and I'm like, "Man, I miss football." Winning the Natty, it kind of smooths that a little bit. You're like, "I haven't really been in football mode until we got in here and started talking about it." I'm kind of starting it. Yeah. (laughs) Honestly, when I started researching a little bit, I flipped on the Georgia LSU 2013 game because somebody tweeted out a video of it. I flipped it on my TV. I was doing some notes, and I'm like, "All right, it's time to go. It's time to get going." One thing that sucked about last year, I was down here rehabbing, and so the first four or five games I watched. It was 100 degrees outside. Yeah. Like, this is not football weather at all. <laughs> and I remember I get home for like two weeks before the Tennessee game, and it's like 50 degrees. Remember that day? It was like yeah. 50 degrees. I actually went over to Griff's house. We had we had the garage door open, the heaters on. I'm like, this is football. Yeah, this is exactly. what I've been missing, man. So I can't wait. I cannot wait. I think it's going to be another great year. I think I saw Marler actually the other day, big Bama fan, obviously, and he said – I've just been doing some reading. Georgia's going to be better than last year, or they may be better than last year. Damn it! <laughs> I was like, "Yeah, uh, y'all wait and see." Like it's it ain't like we're lacking talent, especially on offense. Yeah, and if the defense can play it eighty percent of the level of last year's defense, I think the offense will be that much better. I don't think it's a crazy thing to say. No, it's not at all. At this time last year, it was it was a lock that Oklahoma wins the national championship. Yeah, you remember exactly. that? Mm-hmm. <laughs> as crazy as that was, they blew Florida out. Dan Mullen told you that's Florida's team, and he was right. I mean, hats off to Dan Mullen for predicting the future there. I mean, he straight up told us they were going to suck. They then did suck. So, I don't I don't know why he got fired. He tried to warn him. I'm going to miss him. Yeah, I'm going to miss Dan. Dude, that guy that guy got under my skin. I will give him. He, that. That's that's what I love though. You got to have the, you got to have your rivals, man. I want to I don't I don't want to hate Billy Napier. I know. I really I love to hate Dan Mullen. He's such a smug. He's got a stupid face. Like all oh, he's he's got everything, and I love him for it. I genuinely he, do. I, his I wish podium he talks made me like want to punch a TV. Well, legitimately made me want to punch the TV when he would when the stuff that he would do, and I did love it. I really did love it. I'm I'm moving all that hate, all that energy over to Josh Heupel. So yeah, yeah, that's he's what I'm next. Gonna be doing. That's what I'm be doing. 
but yeah, listen, thanks for uh, listening in. Like we said, follow us on Twitter, follow us on TikTok. Uh, and we love to interact with the fans. So uh, let's, let's talk ball whenever y'all want. And we'll be back next week. We'll be talking about the defense, which, you know, everybody loves talking about a Kirby smart defense, but uh, we, uh, we enjoyed it. I hope you guys did too. Listen back in. And as always go dogs.